That is our theme for this Advent and Christmas season is rediscovering Christmas and uncertain times. Certainly we are in the midst of a pandemic unlike anything that's happened in a hundred years. And so like everything in 2020 since March, uh, everything is different. But the news of Christ's birth, the good news of his death and his resurrection is the same today as it was when it happened nearly 2,000 years ago and continues to be what gives us hope and joy and peace and love. And that is what we will look at and learn about this Advent and Christmas season. I did want to pray uh, before we come to God's Word, and I want to pray for a couple of specific things. Pastor Brady has mentioned one of those, and that is our Lottie Moon Christmas offering each December Southern Baptists collect a special offering that goes to missionaries who are spreading the gospel around the world. Of course, at Easter, it's for our North American missionaries. At Christmas, it's for our international missionaries. This happens to be the official week of prayer. But of course, you can pray for missions every day at any moment. It doesn't have to be one week of the year. But I did want to draw your attention to this. More stuff that you can take home with you today, okay? In the back table, there is a brochure that has... Uh, specific prayer requests for this week that you can pray for different missionaries that are serving around the world. So if you'd like to take that as a brochure or reminder. And also I wanted to pray to dedicate the toys that are going to go to Bland County. Of course, we have uh, thought about it as we shop for them. We have brought them here. And it's our prayer, not only that these toys are uh, filled a child's moment with joy when they receive it, but it's an opportunity. It's a door to which those of our brothers and sisters ministering in Bland County that give these toys to these children will have an opportunity to share the gospel, make a difference in these children's lives and the life of their family. So I'm going to pray for those two specific things as I also pray for God's blessing upon his word. And then we'll look at Luke chapter two this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, as has been said many times already this morning, for what you have done for us, for who you are. And I am thankful that you have given us the privilege to go and tell that good news to the world. I'm thankful, Lord, that you have allowed us to do so, that you did not send angels to do it. You yourself haven't written it in the sky. You have given us who have been redeemed the privilege of telling others who need to hear the news and be redeemed themselves about you, Jesus, and your gospel. I'm thankful for the many who dedicate their entire life to go to people of different cultures and different languages and to leave often the comforts of the U.S. and what is familiar to them to go and share the good news. So I pray for our Southern Baptist missionaries. I pray that you would protect them, Lord. I pray that you would give them fruitfulness as they minister for you. I pray also that we would give generously this month so that as we give and as we pray, those gifts and those prayers, you multiply, Lord, to bring the gospel to those who desperately need to hear it. I also pray for these toys as we send them, Lord, I pray that they would be dedicated to you. As I've said, Lord, I pray that it's not just a moment of joy or a few days of playing with a gift, but I pray that this would be an opportunity 
for the gospel to be shared, with relationships to be built, with a family to be ministered to, and a life and a family changed. So I pray your blessing upon them and upon those in Bland County that we partner with to minister to those in great need. I also pray, Lord, right now that you would open our eyes and our hearts as we listen to you. And Lord, may we uh, obey you and be faithful to you and what we learn and hear today. And I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Isn't it interesting that so many of the people in the Christmas story had to have a supernatural event to convince them of what was happening. Think about it. Uh, Mary had the angel Gabriel himself come to her to explain what was happening. Now, that's okay. I can understand that. This was a virgin birth. So I, I think that deserves an angel. And Joseph was having trouble coming to grips with this, as I could imagine. He did. Again, this is a once-in-history event And he's saying, what, I'm a part of it. I don't believe it. I don't understand it. The Lord sends an angel in a dream to him. So I can understand that. I mean, the shepherds, they got a whole host of angels telling them what was going on with Jesus' birth. And even the wise men, before there was GPS, had a supernatural star in the sky that took them all the way right to where Jesus was. I can understand that. This is a once in a history event. There are things that are happening that have never happened before, never will again. So I can understand why God sent these angels and these stars, these supernatural events to let people know his son has been born. But this morning we're going to look at two people, Anna and Simeon, who didn't have a star, didn't have an angel. They had the same things that you and I have. Faith, hope. That's what they had. The Holy Spirit. We have those same things and they were part of the Christmas story without the angels and the supernatural events. Now, to be fair, uh, they come into the Christmas story after Jesus is born. In fact, 40 days after he's born. So I could understand by then, maybe the word of the shepherds did get spread around Jerusalem. And there were people who had heard it and were responding to it. So maybe that's one reason they didn't need the fanfare. But also, as I've said, these were people who had been waiting for Jesus for a long time. And it was their faith and their hope and the Holy Spirit that gave them the perseverance to continue to wait. And when they saw him, they spoke about him and praised the Lord. I know it's kind of backwards to begin the Advent and Christmas season by going to an event after Jesus is born. We should be talking about this in January sometimes or 40 days after Christmas, whenever that is. It's February rather now in November. But the important thing we learned this morning is about the hope that they had and how we can have it, especially in times that are difficult. So it's in Luke chapter 2, but after the story of the shepherds, we learned this in verse 21. When the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem 
to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice. According to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. I want to stop there and tell you what's going on. Because you read these verses and you probably have no clue understanding what's having to do with turtle doves and pigeons and circumcision and all this. So let me explain to you what is happening before we introduce Anna and Simeon. The first thing Luke tells us about is what happened on Jesus' eighth day of his life. And he, like all Jewish males, was circumcised on that day and given his name. Jesus. That was the name the angel told Mary and Joseph to name him. And so that's why he was called Jesus. It means the Lord saves or the Lord is salvation. That's an appropriate name for the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. So that's why he's given that name. Then what happens on the 40th day is that Jesus and Mary and Joseph go to the temple. According to the law of Moses, when a mother had a baby boy, she would have to go to the temple and offer a sacrifice for her purification. So that's what Mary is doing. We know from the offering they brought that they were poor. They brought the poor person's offering, uh, the pigeons or the, the doves. That's what they were allowed to bring. Someone who was wealthy would have brought an animal to sacrifice. Also what's happening is that Jesus is being dedicated to the Lord. It's a little bit complicated. I won't go into all of it. But for the Jewish people, God said to them, the firstborn is mine. So the firstborn animals were either sacrificed or they were bought back, so to speak, by giving money in return for those animals. Of course, the people were not sacrificed. <laughs> the firstborn was not sacrificed. But in fact, what happened were the Levites, who were the priests, they stood in place of the firstborn of the Israelites. But also, parents were to, in a sense, again, buy back their children. I know it sounds weird, but that's sort of the idea. Buying back, redeeming, they would bring a monetary sacrifice the 40th day and dedicate their child to the Lord. So that's what's happening those three things are happening here in Luke chapter 2. And on that day, this is where we find also in the temple are Anna and Simeon. So let's continue reading. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said. Well, wait a minute to read what he said. I want to talk about the man first. This man, Simeon, we're told that he was a righteous man and that he was very devout, that he was filled by the Holy Spirit, and he was waiting for the Messiah. The exact words that are used are the consolation of Israel. So that sounds very fancy, I guess, maybe poetic. But the idea is simply this. He's waiting for the Messiah. 
It had been prophesied for hundreds of years that God would send the anointed one, the Messiah, who would bring peace, who would restore Israel. That's why it is said Israel's consolation. They are being consoled. They are being reformed. They are being comforted. They are being uh, renewed. And that is what he has been waiting for. He's been waiting for that, filled with the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit told him that Simeon would not only live to the time period when the Messiah would be born, but he with his own eyes would see the Messiah. We don't know how long ago he was told that. We don't know how long he had to wait. But for one who was righteous and devout and filled with the Holy Spirit and waiting for that Messiah to hear from God, you're going to see it. That's going to happen in your lifetime. And you're going to see him with your own eyes. That must have filled him with such joy, with such hope, with such expectation. But he had to wait for that day. The day finally came. Notice how when that day came, the Holy Spirit led him to the temple. It's almost like he woke up that day and God said, today's the day. You better get there. He's coming. The Messiah is going to be there. And so he went and he saw and he held the Messiah in his arms. And this is what he said. Now, master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I could spend a lot of time about what he said. I want to focus more on the two people, Simeon and Anna. But you might argue with me, Pastor, that's the most important part, what he said about Jesus. So I do want to share a little bit about what he said. Simeon sees Jesus and he prophesies about him and says that he is a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the Jews. This was told before, but I think a lot of Jews didn't want to believe it. That the Messiah wouldn't only restore Israel, but the Messiah would bring salvation to everyone, to all the nations. And it's prophesied right here from the beginning of Jesus' life. He also talked about how Jesus would be the one upon whom some would rise, some would fall. Uh, Jesus would bring division. Because even today, Jesus is the center of history. He's the center of life, the center of belief. You have to make a choice. Are you going to believe in him or not? And so really all of humanity is divided between those who do believe and those who don't. As it was in Jesus' day has continued through history. And that's why Simeon says this. And then he also says to Mary that a sword is going to pierce your soul too. I don't know any mother who would not have their soul pierced if they had to see their son die. Especially to see her son die in a cruel manner on a cross. 
That's what Mary had to see. It must have been even more devastating for her uh, to know that she had been chosen and that Jesus was a, a special child, the Son of God, and then to have to watch him die. So the, from the very beginning of Jesus' life, uh, a promise of salvation, a, a promise really of division, but because he is the central figure, central person of all history and humanity. And a reminder to Mary that she's going to be hurt. Because as Pastor Brady said, Jesus was born for a reason. And that was to bring eternal life, which meant a sacrificial death. There was another person there that day, a prophetess named Anna. In verse 36, Luke continues to write, There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So Anna's there in the temple. The reason she's there, she's always there in the temple, uh, the Holy Spirit sent Simeon there that day, but Anna was there the day before, that day, the day after. Uh, this is an amazing woman. Uh, the first thing we learn about her is that she's old. Okay, so that's not so amazing, and, and it's said in a nice way, well along in years or something like that, okay? Uh, and it, it's not quite clear how old she was. Some translations say that she was married for seven years and became a widow and now was 84 years old. Others, like this translation, says she was married for seven years, became a widow, and had been a widow for 84 years. So if that were true, she's probably well over 100, maybe 110, 111 years old, depending on when she was married. So she's either in her 80s or well past 100. But she has been waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Another way to say the same thing that Simeon was waiting for waiting for Israel to be restored and things set right. She's waiting for the Messiah. And she lived a life unlike any other. Very few have lived it. There have been some monks probably, some nuns, uh, someone who has dedicated their whole life to serving the Lord and to praying and fasting and serving others there in the temple. Day after day after day. She's praying, praying for others, praying with others. I'm sure she was serving others who came to the temple as they worshiped. But all the time she's praying and fasting and serving, she's waiting for the Messiah. And that day, she saw Jesus with her own eyes after all those years. And I ask you this question. How could she wait so long? How could Simeon wait so long when they were living in a time that I would argue is worse than ours? They were Jews living under oppression. The Roman government was occupying their land, was telling them what to do. They had very little because the Romans took it all. They didn't have freedom. They couldn't live or worship as they wanted. 
It wasn't only Jesus who was crucified on a cross. They saw people continually crucified. Their fellow countrymen hanging from crosses to prove to them that Rome was in control, that they weren't. Despair, poverty, death, crucifixion, oppression. We could go on and on about how dark the times were that they lived in. Yet they were able to live through them because they had hope. Hope as how they were to live each day in the midst of circumstances that were depressing and dark. Let's think about hope for a moment. Hope looks to the future. Hope doesn't look at the present. Hope looks beyond to what things can be, to things will be. If I told you I was going to give you a $100 bill, You don't have it yet. Uh, You're hoping I'm going to keep my promise. And and once you have it, you don't have to hope anymore. You've got it. Now, I have a picture here. I have no idea if this is a real one or not. I don't see too many $100 bills. You know, they're not not sitting in my pocket or in my wallet. I'd have to ask some of you bankers whether this is, this could be a counterfeit for all I know. I don't know. But anyway, uh, but, but this is the point, right? When you're told something's going to happen, There's hope that it will. When it does happen, you don't need hope. Uh, That's my point. By definition, hope is looking forward. It's looking to the future. It's looking to what will be or can be or maybe. When it comes to God and his promises, it's looking forward to what will be. Because he always keeps his promises. Paul makes his point in Romans chapter 8 when he says this. Now in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? That's Paul's point. If you have something, you don't have to hope for it. You've already got it. Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Paul is saying we have hope for what God has promised for our future. We We are promised an eternal life with God. We are promised a day when sin is not even going to be part of us at all. There's going to be a day when there's no death, no sorrow, no pain. That's what we hope for. That's not what our life is like now. That's what it will be. And when we have that hope, we can have a knowledge that this hope is sure because we have hope in the promises of God and he always keeps them. See, Simeon had a promise from God, you're going to see the Messiah. So on the days when he didn't see the Messiah and things were difficult, he had this promise from God that one day he would see him. And when that day came, Simeon said, I'm ready to go now, Lord. You've kept your promise. I've seen what I've been hoping for. He didn't need hope at that point. And that hope of that future promise kept him going day by day. The same for Anna. She was waiting for Jerusalem's redemption. She knew the promises made by the prophets in the Old Testament that the Messiah would come. And she was waiting with hope that it would. We have the promises of God about our future. 
Therefore, we don't have to despair because we live each day with hope. Also, we learn from their story that God is with us. And that's why we can have hope. He is with us today, every day, for eternity. He's with us. Uh, Listen to what uh, God says in Isaiah. I'll come back to this. In Isaiah 43. Now, this is what the Lord says. The one who created you, Jacob, and the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I will be with you when you pass through the waters and when you pass through the rivers. They will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire and the flame will not burn you. He says to the people in ancient Israel, he says to us, I am with you. You don't have to be afraid. Isn't that what Christmas is all about? Emmanuel, God with us. The word Emmanuel, that's what it literally means. God is with us. And that's what the Messiah is called. That's what Jesus is called. God with us. You see, because God is with us and he's made his promises to us, we can have hope in any circumstance. But I want you to look at Simeon and Anna. They not only knew God was with them, they got close to God himself. You see, sometimes we talk about God being with us in the sense that God is everywhere. Yeah, God's at the bottom of the ocean with whatever creature's down there, okay? And he's here with us, and he's out there in the universe by the stars billions of light years away. He's everywhere, so yeah, he's with us. Well, that's not the the real significance of saying God is with us. It is God is close to us. That at Christmas, heaven came down to earth. That God came to us. Now, in our Christian lives, God can be close to us or he can be far away from us. That's up to us. God is always here. But we may go over there. God is always here, but we may turn his back, our backs on him. You see, Anna and Simeon had hope because they not only knew in their minds that God was everywhere, he was with them, they drew close to God. Simeon was filled with the Holy Spirit. God himself was living in him. You, brother and sister, as a Christian, have God, the Holy Spirit, living in you. Notice Anna was at the temple where God was. She spent her entire life there. Do you see the desire of these two people to be with God? That's why they had so much hope. Isn't it true that if you looked at your life, the times probably when you have been at your darkest despair have been times, if you're honest with yourself, when you have been farther from God. Or I know at least this, it feels like God's far away. And so the answer to that is either to come back to him because you are far from him. Or see with the eyes of faith that he's not far. He's right there with you. And his very presence brings hope. So when you have that combination of the promise of God, And the presence of God, hope then allows you 
to endure and to continue on. Because isn't it true that as much as we hope for a future with our Lord and a future without pain and suffering and death, no more tears, we're looking forward to that. Well, today is not like this. And yesterday wasn't like it. Last year wasn't. Last decade wasn't. You see, there's, we hope and pray for a long life. And so if we do that, there's a long life of disappointment and despair and struggle and depression. And so we need hope, not just for a moment on a Sunday morning when we read and hear about God's promise and that he's with us. We need it for every day. And how can we go one day, another day and another day? Let's look what Paul says in Romans chapter 5. He says, we have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. Because we know that affliction produces endurance. And endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, parents, haven't you maybe at times, you may not have used these exact words, but maybe the sentiments there, you want to build some character in your children. right? And usually, if you're talking about building character, you have something in mind for them that's going to be difficult for them and hard for them. And kids, I know if you have heard your parents say, you need some character, we're going to produce some character. That's not been something you've looked forward to. All right? You're not looking forward to building character. You just want to uh, have fun. And so usually when we talk about building character, we understand it's something difficult, that we're going to have to do some work. We have to go through something that's hard. But in the end, something good is going to happen. Paul says here... Uh, to rejoice in our afflictions. The reality is there is going to be afflictions and trouble and trials every day of our life. Life is not an easy journey. But what Paul says is that when you go through a day and God is with you and he sees you through something, you have hope for the next day that he's going to see you through that. And so these afflictions produce endurance Hey, I, I made it through this. I made it through another thing with God and another thing. You start to see a pattern of his promises being fulfilled and his presence there with you. And that endurance then produces a character that you don't wilt at the first bit of bad news or you don't flip out at the first bit of disappointment. You're able to endure and you're able to have a proven, mature character that brings a hope that does not disappoint. And so that hope becomes for us a, a source of strength to go through every day of our life until those promises are fulfilled in their wholeness and completeness when we see Jesus face to face. I want to tell you about this man, Captain Sir Tom Moore. You may have heard of him, but maybe not because he's British and we don't get a lot of British news around here, okay? But uh, anyway, his birthday was April 30th this year. He turned 100 years old. He's a veteran of World War II. And on April the 6th, he came up with a plan. I know a lot of you do fundraisers for your birthdays. He had the same idea. 
He, he thought, you know, I'm turning 100. We're in the beginning parts. We, you know, no one knew in April how long this was going to last, but we knew it wasn't going to be short-lived. There's this pandemic. There's people who are sick. There's people who need help. We need something to rally around. He said, I'm going to make a goal to raise a thousand pounds or $1,300 for charity. And that was his goal. He said, I'm just going to walk around. That's how he was going to do it. I'm going to walk around uh, the backyard of my house, raise some money. And in a time when there was a need for good news, in a time when there was a need for service in the midst of bad news, word caught and got spread. And he, by the time he was done, had raised $44 million. He became a, a sir. He was knighted by the queen. But what I told the story is for what he said about this journey of his. The first step was the hardest, he said. After that, I got into the swing of it and kept going. Isn't that often true? Especially when we talk about hope and we talk about endurance and we talk about making it through another day. We're talking about making it through another trial or crisis. All it takes is one more step and it's usually the first step that's the hardest. But once you make one and then another and another, like what Paul said, there is affliction, there's endurance, there's proven character, and then there is hope that does not disappoint. And in this Christmas season, in a pandemic, in a life that you're living that may have lots of things that bring you down and bring hardship and heartache, in the midst of this, do not forget there is always hope. There's always hope for the believer in Jesus Christ. Because we always have His promises, we always have His presence, and he is maturing us through each and every day, a hope that does not disappoint us. Do not be discouraged. Do not fear. Have hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we are thankful that hope in you does not disappoint us. I pray specifically for my brothers and sisters this morning who are going through difficult times. Lord, every day for all of us is hard. At times in our life and for some in our life, it's more than hard. It's beaten us down. It's brought us to our last. And we can't see how we're going to make it through. I pray especially for them, Lord, that this morning they have heard from you that there is hope. I pray that they would stand on those promises you have made. And I pray that they would run to you so that they are close to you. If they are right there, but you still feel far, I pray that you'd give them the eyes of faith that they can see you, that you are there. And I pray that they would remember how you have seen them through so much already in their lives, that that would give them hope that this is just one more hurdle that you are sending them through and are going through with them as they journey in their life and become mature and have hope in you. That's my prayer this morning, Lord. I pray that we would respond to you as you have spoken to our hearts. And I pray, Jesus, these things in your precious name. Amen.